Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Camera Obscura. I am your host, Megan, and this is the podcast where I talk about cameras and things. Like I said, hello and welcome to episode one. Before I get into the meat of what I want to talk about today, there are a few housekeeping chores in order, starting with me. Hello. I am Megan. If you know me in real life, thank you so much for supporting yet another one of your friends' podcasts. I know that we all deeply appreciate it. If you don't know who I am, that's cool too. I have an intense interest in photography, filmmaking, cinematography, vintage cameras, current cameras. This is both my hobby and my career, and so I just want to talk about it all the time. And what better format to do it than on a podcast? That being said, this is a completely new format for me. I have never done audio recording, audio mixing, really, um, to the extent that podcasters do. So I'm very curious to see how this is all going to pan out. I have created an Instagram, most likely. That's probably how you found out about this episode, but I digress. At Camera Obscura Podcast on Instagram, that's where I'll be posting pictures, videos, audio clips, whatever you have it, to accompany each episode, because obviously this is a film photo podcast. It's a very visual, I'm going to be talking about very visual things. So this is going to be a very interesting adventure and project, and I'm so excited for it. So thank you again for listening. With all of that out of the way, now to the main topic. Everyone's favorite, porn. Specifically, I want to talk about porn within the Civil War. A, it's incredibly interesting, and B, it's incredibly wild. So strap in, folks. A few things to know about Victorian-era porn. Incest, male and female homosexuality, flogging, lots and lots of flogging. It was improper to have sex more than two times a week. And if the couple didn't climax at the same time, the sex should be considered a failure. This was a, like, these were societal rules. Why flogging was really popular, I have no clue, but it just was. How do we know all of these things? Number one, literature erotica. And number two, photographic erotica. Crazy how it works. What the Civil War did was essentially create the porn industry mass production of erotic fiction, uh, stereographs, and picture pornography skyrocketed. And the social structure of large groups of American men being in campgrounds together led to, led to an increased and intense demand for porn. It's freaking wild, guys. Pornographic literature was very big. Um, actually because it wasn't censored all that much. So imagine Fifty Shades of Grey only written by Charles Dickens, and that's what I imagine this literature to be, but I could be completely wrong. Pornographic images, though, were not that big because they were so expensive, especially before the Civil War. It cost less to go out and get a prostitute than it did to purchase one photo of a woman with her titties out. Daguerreotypes were a photographic process, meaning it was a collection of chemicals that, when mixed together and exposed to light, created an image. 
it was the prevailing photographic process for most of the Civil War. It was a relatively cheap process, cheaper than its predecessors, and it was widely used. But as with a lot of early photography, there were some limitations. So when you look at porn from this time, it's a lot of posed images. It's a lot of posed acts. You can't actively be giving someone a blowjob in a daguerreotype because it would come out blurry. Models often had to hold their pose for up to 15 to 20 seconds because of the long exposure time. The cam cameras around this time were only just starting to leave the studio. But luckily, porn is most certainly something that can be shot in a studio, and so, and so it was. Not to worry, you will get to see them because I am posting some of my personal favorites on the Instagram later this week. So stay tuned for that. Enter 1864. It was not a good time for most of Americans. There was dying. There was suffering. For the first time since the American Revolution, you had a large group of men out fighting war. And a big part of Victorian era culture is sharing of things. And Civil War soldiers had a very intense sense of camaraderie. They shared everything with each other. It was very, very communal living. They read out loud to one another, looked after each other when sick or injured, bucked up when necessary, and on occasion, they shared magazines, obscene playing cards, and the lyrics of naughty songs. Was it an issue? No, not really. It only became an issue for commanding officers when men were not engaged actively in campaigns. Uh, it's, it was a very intense time, it was a very intense war, and the last thing that any commanding officer needs to care about is what the men were reading or tucking into their pillows and haversacks. Basically, these men had access to a ton of new technologies created just before and during the Civil War, including the photograph. You finally had the daguerreotype rise as the formal, cheapest uh, way to mass produce an image. You had the stereograph, which is so interesting. Stereographs were an early form of 3D photography. It's a visual illusion, and they were mass produced and distributed among camps, among camps, often you had visiting stereograph um, shows where a show would come to a camp and you had, you could walk into a tent and there were a series of stereographs. They were really cool and I'll actually post some on the Instagram because it's also really impressive technology considering how the hell they even figured out how to do it. In essence, the war accelerated the development of a domestic market for porn, and it encouraged American businesses to print and sell this stuff. Well, it was all fine and dandy until the end of the Civil War. And as we know, there is an impending prohibition era, which didn't just include drugs and alcohol. There were there was also a ban on porn. But picture this. The war is over. 
men are coming back home. They're discarding all of their erotic playing cards out on the street and their pornographic images because they no longer need them. They now had access to prostitutes and each other and their wives and women again. So they start getting littered out on the street. And there was actually so much of this type of litter that there were accounts in New York and major cities complaining about the obscenity that was just out on the streets, which can you imagine just walking down the street and then seeing like some titties on a piece of paper? Enter our boy, Anthony Comstock. Well, he's not our boy. He's kind of like the worst. He was the United States Postal Inspector, whatever that means, <laughs> whatever that means, really. And he gathered together a group of congressmen who launched a campaign against pornography. Um, it was kind of marketed as a measure to protect men from the evil purveyors of porn, basically saying, oh, I can't believe that porn is being made and you know, how these poor men are being subject to it. You know, it's so, it's such a bad, evil influence in this world. We need to censor it and limit it. In 1873, he convinces Congress to pass the Comstock Law, and it was the act for the suppression of trade in and circulation of obscene literature and articles of immoral use. So it basically criminalized usage of the U.S. Postal Service to send obscenity, contraceptives, sex toys, personal letters with any sexual content or information in them, or any information regarding the above items. But this idea of anti-pornography um, kind of stemmed a little bit within the Civil War lawmakers actually were concerned that at one point the union might lose the war because of pornography. Um, just that in the sense that men were so distracted by this thing that they weren't focusing on what they needed to be, which was unfortunately killing people. But the good thing is the Comstock laws were declared unconstitutional in 1919. The judge, after reviewing the law, called them haphazard and capricious and lacking any clear, broad, well-defined principle or purpose. So good on you, whoever judged that is, but these laws were also in effect for quite, um, for quite a long time, 1873 to 1919. As we know with the prohibition effect, just because porn was banned does not mean that it was limited in demand and distribution. If anything, it increased from 1873 to 1919. And that is sort of the end of the story of porn in the Civil War. To sum up some of the bigger points, the Civil War created a demand for erotica in America. It was already there, but the Civil War definitely expanded upon the demand because of the amount of men in camps, technological advancements made within photography around the time, and the lack of care or consequence in sharing these images throughout the camps and the states. In the future, I most certainly plan on covering multiple topics, but this one in particular took a lot of my time, research, and energy to do, and so it's a singular topic. But again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you found it interesting, and I also hope to see you here next week at Camera Obscura Podcast. Adios!